Hello, our fellow churchgoers, for tonight's episode of the Exercast, the Outcast After Show Show. I am Father Daniel. Father Nathan, are you there? I am here. And what episode are we watching tonight? Episode three of Outcast Season One, titled All Alone Now. And who is that? So patiently waiting on his knees? That would be the altar boy. Say hi, altar boy. Hi, altar boy. Adorable. He is ready. He is prepared. Mouth open for tonight's prayer. <laughs> Gagging for it. Yeah, and we are not going to be vile tonight. No. There's no reason. This is a family-friendly show. As no reason for that to continue, we are good moving forward. We are good. We are uh, born of the cloth, as one might say. No, absolutely. Um, we've been following along now. Last episode, we were a little bit it was it was sort of a filler or get or set things up kind of episode, right? What do you guys think about tonight's episode? I I have some pretty critical feedback about tonight's episode. I am going to I'm going to lay I'm going to be laying it down. I'm going to be laying it down. Yeah, cuz I thought it was a more interesting episode than last last week's. Oh, absolutely, but I got some shit to say. I'm I'm really enjoying the intros. I feel like they're nailing the intros. Oh, the little like cold openers where they yeah, they go to some side story. Every, every opening so far, I've enjoyed. Yeah, the possession opening. You mean? Mm-hmm. Every, feels like the beginning of every episode is going to be a a possession. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we get this time. We get a it's sort of it's a nice little gothic grinding sort of factory setting, and it slowly pans out until you can see that it's just a a bowling alley, and it's just the the pin setting machine. I kind of yeah. I kind of like that. This is uh. This is what you get when you bowl. Demons through bowling. Well, yeah, it makes sense because you're, you know, constantly sticking your fingers into holes. It's a sinful place. <laughs> yeah. Always giving the bowling ball the shucker. Right. Um, <clears throat> uh, and there's there's a couple. There's there's two couples on a double date. Uh, we know we learn that uh, the two men are old time partners. I guess they're cops, friends, best friends even, and. Uh, the one friend is married. He's there with his wife, and then the guy who we see is being possessed slowly, and with ample amounts of sweat. Uh, he's just there, like on sort of a date. Yeah, with the fat one. Yeah, during his possession, you know, he keeps miss. He keeps throwing the ball directly into the into the gutter because I guess getting possessed throws your motor skills way off. Mm-hmm. And his date's trying to be nice, and you know, like, hey, we'll get him next time. And he just goes right into possession mode. He's like, oh, the fat one likes me. Yeah. Oh, the sad <laughs> fat one. Yeah. Very awkward. But this almost, this whole possession of this guy, the uh, character's being played by Lee Turgeson, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he's he's from Oz. He's, he's the guy in Oz that grew his fingernails in solitary confinement and turned into a psychopath. And he's pretty good at this kind of shit. And I like their choice of using him for this specific role. So do I. Yeah. He's and also he also plays Liam Neeson's character in the spoof Tooken. Oh well. Oh, God. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, that's yeah. We're gonna have to shush that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the point I'm trying to make is that it speaks to what you were saying before, uh, Father Daniel, about um, you enjoyed the the playfulness of possession, and mm-hmm. that. The possessions in the previous episodes have missed that, like devil playfulness or demon playfulness, like they're 
they're possessing a body and they should be having some sort of sinister fun. And this demon is all about sinister fun. Yes, thank you for pointing that out. That's exactly right. We don't always need the, like, screeching banshee demon. It's nice to get a clever one that wants to play around a little bit and really soak in all the uh, tropes of exorcism. Exactly, and I also like... <laughs> they, they have fun with this possession scene as well, so it's almost a tribute to the character and the demon itself because it's a bowling alley and he's he's throwing it into the gutter and you know his buddy's giving him a hard time and he's loaded saying some pretty inappropriate stuff like oh he's he's officer of the year and helped you know uh helped a lady deliver a baby in the back seat <laughs> he only got there he only got in between her legs first <laughs> you know <what> <laughs> And uh, and he his his conclusion that something's wrong is like his consternation over gutter balling and saying, "Well, oh, one eighty seven average, uh, something's wrong." <laughs> yeah, and we, and then it's and then it takes a pretty quick turn from be, <laughs> from from being playful to like letting you into the sort of dark dynamic that these people share because they the the married couple ends up taking their sick cop friend home and they're like, oh, he's got the flu or something. That's why he's saying inappropriate things and acting weird. And they lay him down. And the husband goes out to the grocery store to pick up some flu stuff like crackers and chicken soup and whatnot. And that's when we learn that this guy is actually sort of, or not sort of, is very much in love with his best friend's wife. Is he? He seems okay. to be. He's, he's at least had a crush on her and I think the possession is like exploiting it. He's lustful. Yeah. Okay, maybe, but we don't really, I don't think we can definitively say that because the demon has taken hold. Of right, but I didn't, I didn't attribute that completely to the demon. I, th I think I thought they were trying to show us that, yeah, he has a crush on his best friend's wife. I don't know. I think you can make an equal argument, Father Daniel. Um, <laughs> I, th I think we have to come up with some sort of confession theme. <laughs> we do. We need well, some like church music. Okay. I'm going I'm to confess that I agree with Daniel on this. Well, oh, we have a confession. Um, well, I have a confession, and my confession is that we have all said that, or at least alluded to the fact that this show ha doesn't have time for a slow burn with these possessions. We we commented on it with his mother in his flashbacks, dropping down to her knees after she after the demon possesses her, she drops down to her knees and oh starts rubbing earth all over herself because she's taken possession of the body and she wants to feel what it is to be human. Right. And this demon playful sadistic and violent is taking possession of this body and the first thing he does is rape violently and murder uh, a woman so that's that's his dirt <clears throat> that he's rubbing all over himself you could make an argument that that's this demon's earth rubbing moment yeah and it has nothing to do with the personality of the person inside because the possession takes them over they are no longer in control and and it brings up this interesting i don't know sort of take on hell or whatever the punishing place on the other side of life is um because the like the demon well I guess we'll get to that I'm jumping ahead a little bit let's go with the husband's reaction when he walks into the into the kitchen like when, when this is actually a a good horror tactic that doesn't get used very often because a lot of horror just wants to go straight to the like eh look at this gory setup but a lot of the time just like just knowing that something fucked up is in the other room and then only seeing the person's reaction to it, like just their face and not the actual scene, really lets you amp up what you think. Yeah, he's... it's always worse when you don't know 
Exactly. And his face, he's like shaking. He, you, you know it's bad. You, you, you know it's really bad. Because if it was at all like she was just hurt or had some blood on her, he would have dropped everything and ran to her. And been like, oh my god, we'll get you some help, we'll get you some help. But he walked in and knew right away that it was way beyond fixing. So he could just sit there and just take it in. <laughs> well, they did enough um, of a good job with the violence and the edge of his attack on her that let you know that it was it was getting dark really fast. And oh. when they cut back to the husband walking in, it plays well. Because they, they pointed your imagination in a, in a direction and then allowed it to sit there. And have to continue imagining. Oh, yeah, the force with which he throws her into the wall and then she yeah, just like t- puts very, a big hole in it. Yeah. It's very violent. Yeah, you're it's right. Up, it's upsetting, actually, to a woman mm. watching that. Yeah, it's a very. So, a lot of like clever bantering. Actually, no, we don't get any clever bantering from the demon quite yet. It's all harsh violence in this cold open. And then we get to cutaways. This is when we cut away to uh, Reverend Anderson and Kyle Barnes in the car together. Can I, can I make a confession? <laughs> well, we, we do need a fucking sound effect for that. We really do. Mihalo. I don't know what to do. Confession. We'll figure it out. It's the same one every time, and then the altar boy just comes in with a with an overlay. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> this town and the town surrounding this town, um, they're up against it. You know, we spent the first two episodes trying to figure out who the Reverend and who Kyle Barnes is diving into the depth of their character. And what I'm coming to the conclusion of in tonight's episode is that, guys, these towns are fucked. If all they've got is Reverend Anderson and Kyle Barnes to go up against these demons and these possessions and this crazy shit that's going down, I, I, I kind of feel like Kyle's kind of a bit of a loser. You know, who, you know who's the real loser? What? The Reverend. He they're can't both... do shit by himself. Sure. There's but There's no both... point in him being there. They're both kind of like misfit soldiers that don't really look very confident and don't really come across as very confident. And in this episode, we kind of find out that although, you know, we're making predictions about um, weaponizing his fluids, I don't I think he's just scratching the surface of what his abilities are and what he's actually going to be. And And this is a good thing, though, like you can't come out with the show if you want it to be multiple seasons and have him be this like ass kicking demon slayer right I away. They, I hope they like, sell the character transition. I hope they sell that on me because right now I feel like there's he's no- going to change. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nathan, he, here's, here's the setup that I think that they're going for. I think they wanted both these guys in like episode one and two to have a really strong presence, like for them to get their confidence way up. Like, oh shit, we're fucking demon slayers. We just hit a hit a couple of kids in the face and we're good to go. And now in this episode, they've come into contact with something that like completely obliterates that confidence. And they're like, now it's starting from the bottom and working up towards a more uh, precise demon slaying. When was when was touching a part of this? Like touching was not a part of this before. It was just his fluids. And right. now touching and- him. I don't know if touching him actually did anything. I think he was playing around okay. when that happened. <laughs> well, that it's, makes it even better. That makes that demon fucking hilarious. The the blood when it, the blood went in, we actually got a response. Like black shit started coming out of his mouth a little bit. But before that, it was like he, something was happening. But I I feel like the demon, this specific demon, was just playing with him or fucking. With him. Oh, I and hope he was he's spazzing a, out. I hope with he's a, a touch. Recurring, I hope he's a recurring role. 
I hope that he breaks out of there and causes some kerfuffle because I like that actor and I like this this specific demon. I don't know if they're going to let him break out and play a role like that, but I think they will do what they were sort of because we're we're jump we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We're jumping all over the place. Let's set this up because there's some important things that happen along the way because Kyle Barnes and Reverend Anderson are driving to the prison and he loses the photo of his son. And he loses yes. Who puts an important photo that they cherish on the back of their visor on the on the car with the window wide open? You're asking. So you can see them while you're driving to slay demons. Yeah, but you have that shit like laminated around your neck or <laughs> in your wallet or, or something. You don't just loosely tuck it into your visor. And then when you lose it out the window and you drive a <laughs> hundred yards past where it went out the window, you don't stop the car, look immediately outside of the car and then give up. Yeah. yeah. You go back to where you initially lost it and then try and find it. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Daniel, no, Father Daniel. It is it is so that he can come back later and do a dramatic scene of searching in the pouring rain after being called out by Kyle. Remember, later in this episode, Kyle says, "I haven't given up on my family like you. I I want to get back to mine. You may have given up on yours, and that's fine." Right. So, what does that mean? What what happened to Reverend Anderson's family? Yeah, I'm sure we'll find out. Right. That's going to be a continuing subplot. For sure. Yeah, he has the same attitude towards everything. People spray paint all over his life, and he's just like, ah, oh, just leave it there. And then a couple of days later, he's like, fine, I'll paint it. Uh, he seems fine with things at the beginning, and then he just gets super pissed about them later on. Yeah, he is great, though. Any man that, that smokes in a closed-windowed car with a person that's not a smoker there with you, that's some balls. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Did, did, did anybody else catch the blasphemy when he got out of the car to look for the picture, too? It's very uh, he did say, "God damn it!" Yeah, he did. Oh yeah, um, but he's like he's like renegade reverend. He's, and then holy hell! Yeah, he likes to curse and talk shit. He's that kind of priest. That's why I like him. He's like a. He, that's why I constantly refer to them as like the B, the B actor king of this thing because his his accent is a little bit too strong and his character is a little bit too overacty, but it all works so well for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm questioning their dynamic as a as a team. In this episode, I, I do need Kyle to stop being so like, like to get with the program. Oh, we got at least a few more episodes before that happens. What, yeah. what, what do you mean? Like the nomadic wanderer, aloof Kyle? You want him to grab hold of his purpose and take charge of the situation? Well, not take charge, but at least be like, okay, you know, we're we're a team. And he he seems very flighty. He doesn't know why he's there or. If he's there because of his family or or to take care of these demons, he doesn't like. He's not nailing it down. He's being super selfish right now. Yeah, and but, even when the demon asks him, he's like, "Is he in charge?" He's like, "No, he's not in charge. I'm in charge." Yeah, you're like, what are you doing? You should have said, "We're in charge." I feel, I feel right? like it's Reverend. I feel I feel like it's 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 doing this. Reverend, calm down, calm down. Okay, we were we were, I was with you for the first couple times, exorcism, religious, all that stuff. There's too much of this going on. You're not asking the right questions. Just, just fuck off for a second. <laughs> yeah, like, I think okay. who I think the reverend needs to uh... like. Do you know who I am? Like he's because he was called outcast by the previous demon. He's now starting to piece it together that there's more to this. That he is possibly known to these people as something. And what is that something? He's trying to figure it out. And the reverend's just got his, his, his Bible in his, in his 
pack of shit that he just wants to pull out and wave in front of possessed people and and, he, and he's so ready I love that once him and Kyle go into the prison like the the husband brings them in because he wants them to help in this last ditch effort to get uh to exercise his buddy and once they get in there with the possessed guy yeah it's great he is like like last time ready to go he just pulls the cross out and just starts walking around in circles and talking shit he walks away in a huff you can see the terrible blocking in that scene where he just like walks and and turns his back and stares at the dark black corner of this strange warehouse area of the prison which isn't really a lockup area why is this guy being locked away in there? I'm. Uh, there's a lot of weird shit going on. Well, that's where you keep guys that you need that outside police routine brutality. It's the his exercise room. Yeah, that, that's he where they take two the guys. Hours a day in the exercise room. Yeah, when one of the prisoners is giving you a little bit of trouble and you got to rough them up to teach them a lesson, you take them back to that room full of pipes in the basement. Mm-hmm. But he can't interact with other humans because of what he did to um, his buddy's wife. Right? Right. The terrible thing that we didn't see. Yeah, but that's typically in other movies and in real life. That is a a solitary confinement situation. It's a padded room. It's small. It's not a piped underground area. Right, but this is all hush-hush. We know that from the way all the cops are behaving. They're like, all right, you got two hours. Don't fuck up his face too bad, you know. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's true. Okay, well, whatever. We go, um, we we get some holter sex. We get a holter sex scene where the little girl interrupts and... uh, They go about their their day, and uh, what is it? Mark Holter um, decides that he wants to go back to that um, to that trailer and investigate the the blood and the and the nonsense that went on in there. And Chief Giles is pretty dismissive. Like, what do you? Okay, CSI guy. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, very CSI suspicious. Bullshit. Yeah, he seems Can like. Can I go print print some doors and used condoms? Yep. <laughs> yeah, you want to be a CSI guy, huh? <laughs> Yeah, he's really antagonizing him, but it's like it's it seems suspiciously more than it should be. Like he should be like, yeah, go check it out real quick, clear it up, and then come back. I got more important shit for you to do. Instead, he's doing everything he can to like convince him that it's stupid by making fun of him, by trying to distract him. It's a little bit weird. A little too much. Is Chief Giles involved? Let's ask that question. In something. He's definitely involved in something. I think he's gonna get possessed. Okay, but specifically that situation, which is a bunch of raccoons ripped open and pinned to trees, and something did go on in that trailer. So is he involved in what happened in that trailer, or is he covering up something that happened in that trailer, or is he involved in the possession aspect of this show? Was it his watch? Ooh, yeah. That's a good point. Um, I'm not sure where his involvement is. It, it could even be that these raccoons and shit are like a warning to him that he's about, that his sinful underminings are about to be brought to surface. I don't really know. But we do see from Officer Holter that he does discover some shit went down at that cabin when he finds a little nail stuck in the wood, like the human mm-hmm. fingernail. Wow, that could have just been an accident, losing a nail. Nails are lost all the time. Right, but like a yeah. a, a, mani- a, ceiling. a manicured <laughs> female's nail in this sh- grotesque trailer out in the middle of the woods? I don't know. There's something there. He's he's pretty eager, you know. He comes back with this box of stuff. Like, oh, I found this. I found this. Um, I went and talked to the DNA place, and they said it takes about a month, and it, and it does cost a little bit. But I'm, you know, I'm, I think this could go somewhere. He's all jacked up. He's ready to be CSI guy. And what does Chief Giles do, Alter Boy? 
Oh, he's like, okay, yeah, uh, put it in my office and go home and have a shower, you filthy animal. <laughs> Get back to work. I'll take it over from here. Right, which means I'll take all of your evidence and I'm going to sit on it until we forget about this because I'm involved in something. More suspicious behavior. Or he just genuinely thinks it's a waste of time and he's going to throw the box in the corner and let's get back to doing normal uh, police work in this bullshit town, which is just asking for it. Again, I just got to say, this town is asking for it. Look at their defense. Reverend Anderson and Kyle Barnes and Chief Giles. That's what they've got to go up against this army of demons. I like Chief Giles until this episode. <laughs> that's true this is the first time that you kind of get this crooked eye glance from him now let's talk about uh kyle's sister oh you want to talk about donald hamill yeah. she wants it well no she they, wants it hard it's yeah it's really weird what happens to her character in this episode because she's just driving down the street and she looks over at this hotel and she sees a guy getting out of the car and obviously she recognizes this guy and there's some sort of negative undertone to her relationship with him because she zones out anytime she thinks about him or thinks that he's near. They go right to that zone out trick. And that's the question because his name is Donald Hamill. So who is Donald Hamill? Someone that she is willing to manipulate her way into locating where he's staying in a hotel in town so that she can go into his hotel room and confirm on his laptop that he is there looking for her right mm -hmm. yeah so is he some sort of ex-boyfriend stalker maybe the sex scene where um <laughs> i keep wanting to say roy but i'm gonna say mark holter her husband is is on top of her trying to finish off what they couldn't start earlier that day oh just lay in pipe yeah just lay in <laughs> pipe and <laughs> doing what she wanted oh amen at the beginning what? of the day oh lord He's given it to her, and um, she has that flash that Daniel's talking about where she sees his face, but it's not like a happy moment. It's a what appears to be possibly a violent moment from her past, which takes her out of the sexual experience completely. She rolls over. I can't do this right now. We need to go to bed. And Mark Holder's like, are you okay? Are you okay? Being a very valiant guy. He could have been, he could have been a little ticked there, but... Um, yeah, yeah. He actually handled it really, I don't know, yeah. well like, for like a husband, yeah. Like, like a gentleman. Yeah, like a gentleman. Mark Holter, whom we know to be uh, ready to kick Kyle Barnes off his porch and arrest him. And, and he seemed a bit more agitated and a little bit more violent earlier episodes. But here he is definitely a gentleman. Yeah, so we have the priest with some weird backstory about abandoning his family or something. And then we have the sister who has this weird backstory now with some ex-stalker rapist boyfriend and... We also get a little glimpse of Data having a little shave. Yeah, this comes into play at the end also. Yeah, did you want to take back what you said about him being overweight? Uh, no, I think there's still he still looks a little little pudgy. But yeah, this this entire scene of 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 Data shaving in front of the mirror it just serves two purposes. One is to sort of set up a a linking point for the end of the episode, and two to let us know that like. He's definitely possessed by something or is a demon or is whatever these things are that are possessing people. And it's like he's slowly wearing down his host body or something because he like coughs up a little bit of black tar mm -hmm. into his into his napkin and wipes his mouth and then walks out the door. So it's like, does, 
Is this just a symptom of possession or is this body falling apart? I think it's probably speaking to his age and how long he has possessed the body like you're I think that's where you're leaning. Yeah, I think that's uh, right too. And now it's it's interesting to note that he now has a name. The character has a name on IMDb now called Sydney. Sydney. So we yeah. can stop calling him Data. <laughs> <laughs> Sid the Demon. Sedata. That's what he'll Sid- be forever, though. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty tough. Or the whack, or the whack job from Independence Day. One of yeah, the but even when you reference him in Independence Day, you still call him Data. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, data with the crazy hair. <laughs> yeah. But. Man, did he ever turn that emotion chip on, hey? Look mm-hmm. at him. Look at him. Yeah, too far. Went straight to demon. Want to level out somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. <laughs> um, it's no chip <laughs> to demon. That's the scale. <laughs> oh, here's your problem right here. Just click it back. Um, <laughs> oh, God. oh, well, there's your, that, that's your issue right there. Click, click. Okay, no, not a demon anymore. Yep. Now, now back to one of my favorite parts of this episode. Back to Kyle Barnes and Reverend Anderson uh, bantering with the possessed guy. What is his name? Do, do they call him anything? Um, that's a good question. I don't even think it's in the cast list for this episode. Yeah, honest. I guess we can just call him the possessed guy. Either way, what's what's great is that the normal shit that they've been doing up until now is not working. Like even some of the like. Even though the demons didn't immediately react to the reverend saying scripture and, and fooling around with, with crosses and holy water, they didn't, like, go over the top, but they definitely didn't like him around. They didn't like the light. They didn't like the cross being too near them. But with this possessed guy, he doesn't give a shit. Like, he's laughing through the whole thing. He's bathing in the holy water like, yes, more. And then even, even once Kyle Barnes gets on top of him and starts beating the shit out of him, and gets the ashtray smashed against his head. Even when all of his head blood drips into the demon's mouth, it seems to have like a spark, sort of a sparking effect, a little bit, a little bit of damage. But the demon absorbs most of it and comes back for more. Literally says, I want more. He's very aggressive. He's very challenging. This demon is, is very interesting. I think that might be something that I didn't think I was going to appreciate about this show. But now I'm kind of okay, can, are we going to have recurring characters that they don't solve right away? And are those demons going to all have unique attributes and personalities? I think I think so. I think that could be a really good part of this show. I think so. They set it up when he, when he, when he tells the Reverend, like, because the Reverend at first doesn't think this guy is actually possessed. He thinks the guy is like full of shit because he doesn't have the same over-the-top banshee reactions like the previous demons I've been having. Remember, because he says some people don't need to be possessed to be evil. Yeah, he was ready to just walk out. He's like, yeah, it's just a bad guy. Yeah, I don't think the Reverend dealt with this demon very well. No, he sort of just gave up on it. Actually, the whole thing was a little bit confusing, because there's at one point where even Kyle Barnes is going to give up. He's like, I'm just going to leverage this, because Kyle Barnes, let's not forget to mention this, he wants to keep this guy possessed to use him as an informant. Yeah, he's trying to learn about who he is. An and... informant to hell. That's what he's trying to use. He's trying to use an informant to hell by keeping this guy possessed and then returning to him every week. Well, Seems he's... like the logical thing to do, though. He's taking advantage of the fact that this guy's locked up and that it's not a small boy that's losing his mind in his bedroom. This is this guy is secured, and he might be able to provide information. Yeah, it's a good plan. And it the, is a and, decent and, plan. And the I Reverend don't... doesn't want to go with it for some reason. 
I feel I feel like the the show has been unsuccessful in connecting me with Barnes and the Reverend completely. I'm I'm very I'm starting to question their character dynamic, and I'm 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 very hesitant about diving in a hundred percent into into either of these characters. I know that Daniel loves the Reverend, but I'm I'm very I don't know. I'm like, okay, guys, come on, let's see what you got now. Let's see if you can actually define why. You know, you have a right to march around with this righteousness and and do these. I don't. I, I feel like everything has been accidental. Like Kyle Barnes, is just like I, I don't even know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm just gonna punch this guy in the face and oh, <laughs> yeah. accidentally bleed on him. And oh oh oh. And then the Reverend's like, "You're chosen." Blah blah. And it's just okay, guys. It you're, is instead of instead of misfits. Yeah, instead of being like this sort of heroic demon slaying show like I expected it's kind of turned out to be like Forrest Gump with powers <laughs> <laughs> yes yes this is I gonna turn into a buddy call the mis- here come the misfits let's see yep. what demon's gonna own them this week oh, oh shit don't cut him he'll get you <laughs> <laughs> throw the demon in the back seat so Kyle can straight arm punch him over and over again I need to make a I need to make a prediction uh, go ahead Father Nathan may hollow you know prediction. the prediction. Where's my prediction? Where's my dun dun dun? I don't. Oh, I oh, right. Sorry. Kyle Barnes is not smart enough to weaponize his fluids. No, he really isn't. Because <laughs> wouldn't you just all the? Because because we we determined that it's everything, right? It's like his sweat, his blood, it's all the fluids. Yeah, we were we were focusing in on on the vile part of that and drinking that in, but I think yeah, his cum. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do another prayer. Um, tonight's episode is more about for me realizing that yeah, these guys are misfits. It's okay for them to be misfits, and like Daniel suggested. I, yeah, these are the slow heroes of up up against a multiple town demonic possession. This is like Needful Things meets Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you need to give them time to grow. It's a process. Yeah, you hang on to that character transition. I don't. I don't know that Kyle Barnes will ever be the heroic demon slayer that we want him to be. Yeah, he's gonna turn into like a long trench coat ass kicking demon there's no neo in his future demons yeah i'm starting to think that the best that we can hope for is just a a grizzled demonic slaying veteran that that's (laughs) that's what he no you call him in to take care of the demon he doesn't really want to talk about it there's nothing really to say he's not a very interesting person he's just good at killing demons yeah, and he's just gonna buddy, beat the shit out of somebody. The, his buddy, the Reverend, is just shouting in your ear the whole time, waving his cross around while it happens. You call them in when you want to get something done, and then the you know the peripheral characters have to kind of grind out the, the the point of the whole thing. Yeah, I did feel... you guys? Go ahead. Uh, did you find that like I enjoyed this demon more for being a demon? But do you find that it was kind of a step back? Because in the first episode, he beat the shit out of a little kid, which was extreme. And he goes from that to beating the shit out of some, like, cop? Oh, I don't know. The, the, the extreme of this was the, the rape violence at the beginning. Yeah, and that contorted body when they finally show it. Yeah, no, they, they took it a step further. 
and that this demon is even more, I would say, has, has a much stronger presence and is a lot more uh, scary or violent than yeah. anything we've seen so far. Previous demons were like animals. like They just screamed and thrashed and took control of things. And this one has time to sit back and be patient and crack jokes. He's an intelli- more, a much more intelligent one, maybe like a lieutenant or something. Yeah, yeah Daniel wants to keep putting... Putting stripes on their uniforms and <laughs> ranking them. Lieutenant um, Demon. Yeah. No, he's he's a he's a corporal, corporal sergeant. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait till we get to Emperor. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, we've been well, dealing that's with the devil privates. himself. Yeah. Been dealing with privates. Because there's demons that take like here's here's where, here's where I'm going with it. Um in in terms of possession, and when you say possession is just the beginning, then you have to talk about which is one of the taglines for the show. If, if you want to talk about all the nuances of possession, and Daniel got into it a bit in our last episode when he when I asked him what good possession was in terms of what he's seen from movies, and what I get is that not only can possession be done with these subtle nuances, I think that those subtle nuances indicate that there is a difference. You know, like there's there's a difference in terms of the age of the demon, the the veteran. Uh, ability to possess people, uh, so experience, um, the person that they're possessing, how strong their will is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about, and this is maybe why they chose such a a heroic cop, like cop of the year, like valiant guy for for a demon to take full possession. Because in my mind, the difference between the previous possessions and this one is that the other ones, there was a fight. You can even see it in the mother. She's got a tear coming out of her eye. She's still there. She's fighting with this thing into a canatonic state. She's fighting so hard. And the little kid, he can't fight, but he still, you know, struggles with, with, there's there's still a fight going on between the demon and and the child's will. And in this one, this bit, this, this cop of the year, this valiant guy gets completely possessed by a very veteran presence. Like Daniel saying, a lieutenant or something high-ranking demon, very experienced, took yeah, possession powerful, of this valiant yeah. guy. Yeah, this guy with this crazy will to do good just took him and turned him completely into in complete possession. Yeah, and, and now that we've we've looped around to the, to the end of the episode, I want to bring up what I was going to say earlier, which is that this show seems to be taking an interesting take on, on what hell is. Because when the demon that possesses this cop is describing his experience with like murdering that woman he is so focused and harp and harping on the wet warmth he constantly he says warm like seven times and how warm the fluids are inside and how wet and delicious and beautiful it feels and so warm and it wasn't until it it was cold cold again that he became disinterested right yeah and because of his desire to want to keep the priest and Kyle Barnes around to talk to. He constantly brings up as well how lonely it can be and how much he's striving uh, or starving for contact. It makes me think that the hell in this show is like a cold, void, solitary confinement where you just are with your own thoughts for eternity. Um, I have a question. Question. Do you guys think that um, any of these demons are going to end up coming back? Like, they can just keep coming back? Oh, like, if they get exercised, they can just go possess someone else? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, that's an interesting concept. We never really... I don't think I know of any movie that deals with that directly. 
I assume there's some sort of demon refractory period where they're they're just too sensitive to go back into another body. You could you could go with a Zazel from Fallen with Denzel Washington. Yeah, that's true. That's sort of a passing one to one to one. I guess Jason in Jason goes to hell is kind of like that. Don't bring the, that up. The thing that the reason that I say that is because he seems to be having conversations with these demons and they seem to know who he is. Like they've talked to him multiple times. Yeah, yeah, and he also mentions that if they strike a deal with him, he can maybe get some demons to loosen up their grip on these towns. It'll take some time, mm-hmm. but he can put the word out. I don't think that's Kyle's goal. I think he's just trying to figure out who the hell he is and what his connection is to the demons and why they know who he is. He's just he's sitting on a park bench asking questions of strangers about chocolates, right? That's what's happening. So, is Kyle Barnes a demon or not? Let's have a vote. He, he appears to be something. They, they keep calling him outcast. And even though they refer to his childhood as being an outcast, I feel like there's a deeper, a deeper meaning to that, to that title. So I be. feel like he's got to be either an angel or a demon. <laughs> well, it could be that the demon or angel that is the outcast took possession of Kyle and is trying to live a life, a valiant life, as a, as a human being to possess for the purpose of living and experiencing rather than tormenting and haunting. Oh, and then that makes, but, the, then that turns Kyle's entire childhood into like a really tragic love story where maybe the demon possessing his mother was in love with the demon possessing Kyle and was like, come back to the demon world. Try, I'm going to beat it out of you. Eat Oedipus. But if he's a demon, how come his blood isn't black tar? I don't know. Maybe he figured out some other trick that the rest of them couldn't. Like the rest of them are wearing humans like a like a coat, and maybe he fused with humans or something. Maybe that's uh, why Kyle seems so out of it all the time. Because maybe he is. Maybe maybe it's a shared existence. Maybe the maybe the demon inside of him is just along for the ride and doesn't really want to possess him. He just wants to be with him. Right. So let's talk about the. Norville. Yeah, let's talk about the end of the episode, the, the 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 quasi stinger, I guess. Can I make a prediction? Okay. Norville was possessed by a demon and forced Norville to kill himself because they are fucking with the outcast. They are trying to fuck with him. They're trying to take away his resources and they're trying to mess with him. Well, wasn't it that? Isn't it that Data killed him and made it seem like it was suicide? Yeah, Data, Data killed him. Sydney, Sydney killed him with the razor. You're connecting the razor, the shaving razor with... Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe he wasn't possessed. Maybe they just showed up to kill him straight up. Right. Just, so so then what's Sydney's purpose as this, like, adjustment bureau guy just going around picking off Kyle Barnes' loved ones, beginning with his neighbor that he kind of like, doesn't like? Yeah. I think I, I was focusing more on trying to make it about the, the the tormenting of him, right? Just messing with him. Like the sadistic, sinister toying with Kyle by taking away the people around him and fucking with him. Right. Get it, yeah, because that's what that's what demons are all about. They want they want to they want to rob you of your confidence. They want you to feel despair and hopelessness and uh don't and, and lose all belief or a sense of yourself while they're at it. So yeah, I, I could see that. I guess slowly picking off some people around him that could cut, try to throw him into a into a panic or something. But I think didn't the, they already do that though with his wife? 
Right, isn't it? I guess that's what I guess this is a continuation of that plan or something, and now they're going to start ramping it up. I guess maybe his wife might be the next to go, or his. Ooh, maybe that's what it is. But maybe they maybe... already tried with his wife, though. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> so this guy hunting down Kyle's sister. This is going to be. Is this a demon that is also part of this plan with with uh, Sydney? And then now they've taken care of his neighbor. Now this other demon in the body of the sister's ex-rapist is going to come back and take care of her. It's got to be connected. If if it's true that they're taking possession of people around him to mess with him, then this has to be connected. I, like, I, I think okay. so, yeah. Bring it in, everybody. All right, here's... I think even though this episode was kind of messy, I think the whole point here is that the Reverend and Kyle thought that they were on the right track. All they had to do was just go around town squirting holy blood into people's mouths, and now they've come across this intelligent demon that has thrown a complete... Uh, wrench into the gears and now they're both confused and dealing with their own dramatic issues and I guess that's where we're going into the next episode correct well I do feel that we have um, corrected our perception of our heroes to a certain degree right we got knocked down a peg got knocked down a peg we're ready to okay understand that this demon presence is a lot bigger and a lot more powerful than first thought and that we're going to be defining the roles of the Reverend Anderson and Kyle Barnes for quite some, because I don't think that they even understand what's going on or what's happening. And bringing in Kyle's previous family life is, is kind of like, I, I don't think he can ever go back to his family. I think he has to let it go to become whatever, you know, spiritual warrior is necessary to take on whatever the hell this is. This is a much bigger than originally. <laughs> Do you think that Reverend Anderson's son was possessed and that he failed to exercise him and he had to yes. leave he had to leave his family because of his failure? Yes. A strong prediction, Father Daniel. I, I think that's true. And the and his son is probably still possessed, much like Kyle's mother, and they're gonna have he's gonna be like some weird demon boss or oracle, one or the other. <laughs> I thought Kyle's mother was done being possessed. She's just catatonic from yeah, he seems to think that there's something still in there, and that's why she's catatonic. Well, she was crying, though. Was she? Yeah, she cried when uh, Sydney went and said that they were going to get her son anyway. Oh, yeah, because she's... The tear came out because she's sad. She's she's a normal person, though. Well, maybe instead of like being possessed by one demon, there's sort of a uh, like a... A football, a football dog pile of demons on top of her, and that's why she me metaphysically can't move. No, I think she just—it was there for too long or something. She's fucked up. Oh, it yeah. left. It took too much. It, it, left, right. it left through the ceiling tile. It and did left, leave. Yeah, it left a very small part of her. Yeah, I don't think she's still possessed. Her her soul was traumatized by the incident. It was. It was cord. It's like it's like somebody who overdoses on a crazy hallucinogenic drug and just can't come back to reality. Just can't do it. Fritz down. There you go. All right. All right. Bring it in, everybody. Um, we pray um, that the next episode, uh, a wrath unseen. Alter boy, put your head down. Alter boy, so disrespectful. <clears throat> uh, we Heads pray down, next... mouths open. <laughs> wow! Wow! Eyes wow. up, mouth open. Vile, oh, vile. Um, we pray that the next episode of Outcast, uh, season one, episode four, Wrath Unseen, uh, shows us a bit more about what's going on and who this 
this this group this duo of misfits is going to be um, there is a, a large task ahead of them it's very apparent and uh, and we pray that they have the, the strength and courage to to battle through and overcome the odds and uh, take down this terrible force that is attacking the the town of Rome and the surrounding county amen 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 all right you probably already found us through SadSack Studios, and that's where you can go. SadSackStudios.com is where we host the Exercast on the Mega Feed, where we host everything that we make. And from SadSack Studios, you can find your way through the neural network to all of our other shows. Reach me at 100Lunatics on Twitter. You can reach Nathan at T Park Podcast, and you can reach the intern at the intern TPP. Good night. <laughs>